0: They are asking the police and the CPI Hello everybody, welcome to the attention please podcast now on video. If you like this podcast, kindly like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. So today we'll be reviewing, talking about Indian matchmaking season two on Netflix. Um, For those of you who have followed me and followed my blog for many years, you know how much I love cringe. And now that we live in a post-Gunda world where movies like that are just not made, um, series like Indian matchmaking are the closest. I won't say we are anywhere close to Gunda, but they're the closest you can get to the kind of entertainment, purple entertainment that uh, movies like Gunda used to provide to us once upon a time. Um, for those of you who don't know what the concept of Indian matchmaking season one and season two is, a little bit about it. Now, I don't, If if you, if you don't know what the concept is, maybe you shouldn't be watching the video. But Anyways, bear with me for, for a while. So this is two seasons of uh, this marriage fixer. is It's 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 focused on a marriage fixer whose name is Simanti, who basically arranges marriages between extremely rich uh, people. That's really the premise of the show. And we follow them through their dates, and we follow you know Simanti trying to negotiate. Um, and and all of these individuals, both men and women, are have different quirks, and pretty much all of them have at least pretty much all of them have one similar quirk is that they think extremely highly of themselves, and that comes out through through the show. And so it's 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 cringy in 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 many many ways. Um, for those of you who have seen season one and haven't seen season two, here's my advice: don't, because. There's nothing new in season two. It's not, it doesn't escalate in any way. It's just kind of a series of outtakes from season one, I would say. Season one was better, at least in the sense that the concept was new. Now there's nothing new. It's really continuing their stories. And there's very little of Aparna, who was the absolute breakout star in a cringe way of season one. There's very little of her. There are some other people who try to be Aparna, but they don't get it. So if you haven't seen season two, don't waste your time. I did. So I'm telling you, there's nothing new in season two that there isn't in season one. But before we get to the theme, and please don't take much of what I say seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm This is Indian matchmaking we're talking about. But one thing that I, of course, saw was the outrage from the left, and from the woke's on indian matchmaking the, the outrage was there in season 1 it's there in season 2 that that this is a celebration of patriarchy and, and all the mat all the all the prospective brides and grooms are all savarna it's upper caste there is an absolute exclusion of muslims and this you know ties in to you know narendra modi of course and new india and so this is of course outrageous now this is this is fa- fairly de rigueur for essentially news outlets that have grown out from the culture of BuzzFeed and Huffington Post, which is uber woke clickbait. So you take it with a pinch of salt. But I saw a lot of this outrage. But for me, there was actually no outrage from the right. But if there was an outrage, I think it should have really come from the right. Not that I'm asking the right to outrage on this, by the way. But. It's not, I mean, I don't understand why people don't get this, but Indian matchmaking isn't a celebration of Indian patriarchy. It's a takedown of Indian patriarchy. See, Seema Aunty, who's the main character, is an outrageous stand-in for Indian traditional marriage. She's not meant to be taken seriously. She's supposed to be laughed at. I don't know if if Seema Aunty realizes that. Maybe she does. And I think everybody does, but everybody likes the publicity. So they don't mind being laughed at. So for me, this is really the Netflix's 25-somethings, really making fun of the whole Indian arranged marriage system. And so in order to do that, they get somebody like Simanti, so outrageous that you can't take anything she says or anything she does with any level of seriousness. And the characters are also so outrageous that you can't really think of them as real people. And that's really what makes it cringe, Right. So, you know, Seema Aunty comes with a face reader and an astrologer who says very obvious things and Seema Auntie nods her head. And it's supposed to be, it, it's, it's all supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh at this. You're not supposed to take it seriously. So I really don't get that outrage part of it. So by excluding all of these things, you know, the, the, the makers, and again, Netflix is the wokest of woke places. So it's obvious what the intent of Indian matchmaking is. It's It's a takedown of the Indian traditional Hindu marital system. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be taken down, by the way, not saying that, but I'm just saying that the real outrage is totally different from the outrage that it should be. So maybe I'm missing something here. But a word about Seema Auntie, I should say. So one of the critiques about Seema is that Seema Auntie is always telling people and mostly women to compromise, to settle. Well, she tells everybody to compromise, by the way. And that's because Seema Aunty is the way I look at her is she's a product manager, right? So this is really what a product manager does. Now, I'm not particularly sure Simanti is a very good product manager because having seen the shows, I'm not sure as to what her success rate of rolling out successful products, in this case, a successful match, is. But Simanti tries. And any successful product manager, the main thing about what makes a successful product manager is managing expectations. So here she is sitting with a number of stakeholders. And these stakeholders have totally opposite things that they want to optimize, right? So you have bride, groom, their family. So the entire thing, she walks in with compromise, compromise. We'll have to settle with for 70%. If you get 60%, you should be happy. Now, this is the language of a good product manager. The good product manager is always saying that, look, I can't have scope creep. I can't have feature creep. Because it happens when you're building a product, especially software products. And for those of you who are wondering how I've shifted from Indian matchmaking to software products, well you know me so this is exactly what happens when you're building a software product so you build something you talk to the you talk to this stakeholders you create a mock up you create a minimum viable product and people say no i don't want that that's absolutely not what i said that's not what i want and so you have to say no well make another minimum viable product but i'm going over time and money i have other projects that i need to run i have i mean i need to make money too so at that point of time you're at that point whatever mvp or minimum viable product you've made you're trying to push that, right? At that point of time, you need to push that aggressively so that the stakeholders settle. So that's really what Simanti does. So she gets a lot of hate, but that's really what she is doing. It's a strange kind of product management that she does, arguably. But her behavior is no different from a your run-of-the-mill product manager. I, I, I would say. Now, what I find surprising, among many things, honestly, is. Of course, a reality show is never a reality show, right? It's a simulation of reality. If you if you look at these, nobody goes on a date and talks like this. It's obvious that there is some script that they work off. Or maybe they talked and then the cameraman said, No, we are, can't do it like this. Now do it like this. So what we see is possibly not the first interaction, which is which seems to be the first interaction, but it is not. I'm pretty sure that is the, that is the case. But here's the thing why would people put themselves through that humiliation is something which I don't understand. Now, I understand that in this day and age, in order to be famous, people will do anything. Hello, TikTok. But seriously, if people are trying to get married, would they want to be publicly humiliated in the way that they are essentially in this show? At least some people who get rejected. I So I'll give you an example. This was possibly the, my favorite part of Indian matchmaking. So in one of the later episodes, possibly the last episode, there is a guy who suddenly comes in at the end, who's set up by Seema Auntie with a girl who's, let's just say many, many leagues ahead of him in terms of physical attractiveness. So at the end of the date, the guy is like, when can I go on a date with her? Oh my God, this is so amazing. And the, and the lady says, um, you, you have to kiss many toads or frogs before you get your prints. Now, I'm not sure how this guy's future is going to go, given that he's been called, essentially been called a frog um, on quote-unquote national TV. But he's apparently fine with it. He obviously signed the release papers for, for, for recording it. So I just don't get it. I just don't get how people who are serious about their own image would 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 go through this this kind of ritual humiliation? I I, I just don't. do. But that, by the way, that was the only new thing. In it was very savage, and somebody who's you know likes that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, was it was a it was a good laugh. <laughs> Not very political correct. I get it, but you know this is a show, and I I found it funny. But there, there's this one one. Yeah, a little deep thing, and again, deep thing, Indian matchmaking, these two things don't mix. But some of the people here, you know, you look at them and they seem, you know, very self-absorbed. And then all of these people are kind of older. They say they're older, successful people on, on both sides who are looking for a match. I mean, they're the only people who can afford CIMA. I mean, if you're like early 20s, you're not going to go through CIMA. So that's that's a given. But Here's here's a here's a thought, maybe a little bit of a controversial thought, but if if I don't say something controversial, then why would you listen to this video? But they seem self-absorbed. Most of them self, self seems self-absorbed, full of themselves, and obviously, Aparna is, is is kind of is kind of a lightning rod when it comes to that. But there are other people in this season who are similar to her. They, 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 I don't think they have the magnetism that Aparna has. Aparna is also a magnetic character. I mean, she dominates the camera. She she's she. You know, she you can't ignore her. But the people here, that's why I don't like season two too much. There is very little of Aparna and the people who are kind of a filler for her don't don't really have, don't really have her screen presence, let's just say. So they some sometimes seem self-absorbed. And I would say that this is this is the problem with getting married while mature. When you're mature, you you're basically self-aware. You know who you are, right? When you are younger, at least. And I'm talking about my days. You're not thinking of marriage through the lens of either either Yash Chopra kind of romance. That hey, I need I need romance in my life, or you're just like basically trying to get laid because you know unless you get married, you couldn't get laid. Once upon a time. So when you're young, really young, like early 20s or 25, that's how you're thinking about managing. You're not really thinking. So you just go ahead and do it. Now, once you're older, you don't think like this, right? You're more self-aware and that's a good thing. I'm not saying you should be thinking like this. You're more self-aware. So you're, you're thinking in terms of what kind of a person you yourself know the kind of a person you are. You have come to know yourself. I would say that by the time you're 30, most people, again, most people, Some people reach maturity earlier, some people later, some people never. But most people, by the time they're 30, they have a good idea of themselves, at least. That what they want, what is important for them. I'm not saying that this idea doesn't change. Um, As I like to say, we're always dying, right? Basically, our cells get replaced. We're a new person. And what links us to the old person is a chain of memories and experiences. So, of course, we change. But by the time we're 30, we at least have a fairly decent idea of who we are, what we want to do, what works for us and what doesn't. And at that point of time, you're no longer thinking in the more instinctive way that you would be thinking. I'm using a nice word here, instinctive way, than you would be thinking if you were in your early 20s. So now you think of marriage as an emotional and financial investment. This financial part is definitely there. Because you'll have to make some financial sacrifices, um, you might know, have to move, you might have to change your job. All of these are considerations. You might have to live a lifestyle that you yourself are not comfortable with. When you're in your early twenties, you don't think of like this. I mean, again, there'll be somebody who there be some people who might think like this, but most people don't think of this. It. It's all about like wanting to be with this person. Now, when you're older, you realize ah, that's. There are other things to think about. So you 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 see and you wonder whether any relationship is worth the emotional and financial investment you put into it. And that's why you think of marriage mostly as a stakeholder, right? That's that's really the thing about Indian matchmaking. That's, re- that's one of the jokes, that you see these people and they seem to be very, very much like people trying to build a product. And that's really, they I even have you kind of a PowerPoint slide that they fill up with their bulleted points of requirements. I don't think people in the early 20s think on those lines. But their requirements are maybe not so many. We you know what the requirements may even be for most people. But I remember this was a I had a friend who who said about another friend that he got married in his early 20s, was that he spent like eight months researching a digital camera and then he went to India and got married in eight days to somebody he met and he was like "So, digital camera he was willing to spend eight months so the, the reason is that for a digital camera and in those days digital camera was a big thing he was thinking in using that part of his brain whether it you know these reviews those reviews whether it's worth this feature that feature with marriage he doesn't didn't think of that um, but as you become older, as you kind of become post 30, these things become important. So what you see in, in Indian matchmaking is really that, and, you know, people laugh at it, but it's also, I mean, it's, it, it's okay. I mean, they might, these people might come across as self-absorbed. And this is, this is what comes back to what I was saying. They're putting themselves through some kind of humiliation because it's obviously edited in a way to make them look ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that some of it is just editing. They, this is There's a lot of editing going on here. It's not just raw footage of them just having a date. So the part of the date in which they're awkward or say something slightly off, that's the part that's shown to us, right? So they come across looking as much worse than I'm pretty sure they are in real life. But where their insecurities are coming from, I think comes from a very genuine place, no matter what you think. I think once you get old, you have to think in terms of Hey, does this work for me? Does, should I think? There are like a hundred decision points that you're thinking. And Seema auntie is always trying to reduce you down to like one or two things because it works for her. That's her business model, right? She has to make you take a decision and move on because you've already paid your firm fixed price. I'm pretty sure it's not a time and materials contract she's on. I'm pretty sure it's a firm fixed price. So firm fixed price, You know, the less number of hours she puts into it, the more the more, the more viable it is for her. But I can see because of maturity, again, that people get into this, they just can't take a decision. And again, it sometimes comes across as self-absorbed and oh my God, what does this person think of themselves? But I'm pretty sure that if you look at post-30 relationships, I think it's pretty similar for many people. Most people think on those lines. It's just that With selective editing and with the kind of, as I said, the kind of mockery that Indian matchmaking makes intentionally of its protagonists, it comes across worse. And that's really the way they have to make it work, right? The reason why I'm calling it a cringe watch is because of that. If it was like, if it just presented real people as real people, I wouldn't find it cringy. So that's it. Summary, if you have seen Indian matchmaking, if you like cringe, maybe you should see it. If you saw the first season and life, you have other things to do in life, I would say the season two is not really worth watching. But if you're a completionist for Indian matchmaking like I am, go ahead and enjoy. So uh, thanks everybody for listening and I'll be back hopefully next week. Till then, bye-bye.